let's uh, try and do this one more time. And this time we'll get it right. All right, you guys ready? Yes. yes. Awesome. Five, four, three, two, one. Make August gems. Go now. Oh, yeah. What's going on, everybody? It's Game That Tune Gems back in your house once again. It's your boy, John Harrington. Here we got David Fleming with me. Say hey. Hey. And we got Jesse Moore. Say hey. Hey. And we ain't got no Johnny, and we don't need no stinking Johnny, because it's Game That Tune Gems for the month of August 2022. That's right, y'all. We're taking a look and listen back to video game music from releases from 30, 20, and 10 years ago. So we've got awesome tunes coming at you from Augusts of 1992, 2002, and 2012. And my God, guys, we got, I would say, a uh, interesting and diverse lineup of games. And really, I mean, there's a... there's little time to fuck around, so I think we just got to hop right back in time to August of 1992. And we start 1992, as we often do, with a fantastic NES release, because the NES was still getting games in 92. And we're starting also with a fantastic movie tie-in game. A uh, a movie tie-in game that actually, if I'm not mistaken, beat the movie that it is based on to market. Um, very interesting. Unusual, very unusual situation. I, it makes me think that perhaps this game might not have anything to do with the movie. Um, but it's been so long since I played the game or seen the movie in question. I can't really say. It's RoboCop 3, guys, for the now, NES. <laughs> Didn't that used to be a fairly common practice? Like, didn't the Simpsons arcade game come out, like, or at least got made before they, like, finished the Simpsons? I mean, you know, I'm not sure how soon the Simpsons arcade game came out in relation to, say, like, season one or two of the Simpsons. But, yeah, I think they basically sent over a couple of episodes of the Simpsons to guys in Japan and were like, yeah, I don't know, you figure it out. And I'm I'm kind of curious, Jesse. You might want to rephrase that because The Simpsons still hasn't ended. Right. It continues on until the heat death of the universe. Yes. Oh well, you, you know what I meant, though. Yeah. Right. But uh, yeah, no, they. Uh, yeah, there's no not a whole lot of like a uh, faith uh, faithful adaptation of the Simpsons characters that we know and love in the uh, the arcade game. And uh, you know, as for RoboCop, uh, you know, I can't really speak to RoboCop three either. I, you know, honestly, I. It all just runs together. At this point, it's like, wait, you know, I, if I have memories of this, I feel like it might actually be memories of the shitty RoboCop TV show. I, I, I need to go back and watch is, RoboCop 3. Is that the one where he comes down the ramp and uh, unlocks, um, or he doesn't really unlock, he like breaks the cage that uh, Sting is trapped in mm. and helps Sting... Uh, um, I forget who they're fighting. Probably like Ric Flair or some shit. Right? Yeah. No, I, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm gonna I need to see a video Robo of this. Saving Sting. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna definitely need to see a video of that. That's a wrestling reference that I simply don't get. But uh, oh, you know, I mean, sorry, yeah, I I didn't know RoboCop wrestled, but the, I guess it makes perfect sense. Um, but oh, yeah, wow, <laughs> fuck this movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, because I was just looking it up, um, and apparently uh, this is the one RoboCop movie that doesn't have Peter Weller. Oh. Like, they recast RoboCop. 
Well, I mean, I feel like you can kind of get away with that. Like, was Peter Weller so essential to the character? Like, I mean, I get that you want to be, you know, respectful to the guys that originally played him. But like RoboCop, you're not there for the man. You're there for the robo. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, fuck the cop. Just put the shell on his head and let him blow guys away. I mean, you know, we're here for the dick shots. We're not here for the chin. But, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, maybe that's just me. We'll have to watch. I think we should just do the RoboCop movies on commentary so I can see David gush over Peter Weller and then get angry at, I don't know, uh, this other jobber RoboCop in RoboCop 3. Um, but we got three fantastic or two fantastic songs from RoboCop 3 for the NES and composer Jerowen Tell. Um, we got, for some reason, what appears to be a seven and a half minute title screen track, which I'm probably going to edit down in post. And we've got the repair laboratory. That's, uh, that's where they send your dick after RoboCop shoots it.
Yeah, man. That's uh, that's funky dick shooting music right there, man. Robocop, he, uh, he knows what's up. Yeah. Um, moving on. Guys, let's head over to the Sega Genesis. Oh, wait, no, excuse me. Um, not the Sega Genesis. I keep on thinking this is the Sega Genesis when I look at it, but no. This is a Game Boy version of this game. I don't want anybody getting their ears all ready for FM synth and then being caught off guard by some Game Boy music. Huh. Guys, let's talk about games that we like to play on the Game Boy. Games that are adaptations of other games. Uh, that is to say, uh, games that you would play out in the world. Uh, l- lounge games. Billiards is the specific game I'm talking about here, guys. This is, mm. uh, you know, this game could use a celebrity tie-in. This is Side Pocket for the Game Boy, uh, first released now in you know August of '92, and uh, no Minnesota Fats in sight, unfortunately. Ah, uh. yeah. Now you know, no pool legends in this one. This one, pretty much just billiards on the Game Boy, which really seems like it defeats the purpose. Like I don't know, man. Like. Can you imagine getting together with your friends in a bar and there's some pool tables in front of you and instead you bust out your Game Boys and your Link cables and you you play a little billiards? Or, I mean, I feel like also this would also lend itself really well to pass and play. You don't even need a Link cable to play billiards on the Game Boy. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, billiards on the Game Boy kind of makes sense because Pocket Pool exists. Yes. So, like, Mm. it's electronic Pocket Pool. Mm -hmm. Probably more expensive than your typical Pocket Pools. Um, you said less messier. That's true. You got to, you know, usually you got to clean up after that pocket pool, man. <laughs> it, it gets gets <laughs> pretty sticky, pocket. right, David? What? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. He's playing pocket pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've been playing pocket pool and not learning your euphemisms. I see. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, side pocket for the Game Boy. It's uh, it's a pool game on the Game Boy. And it was released in August. That's why it's here. I and I also brought it because you know the Minnesota Fats thing. It's a, it's a damn shame that there's no Minnesota Fats. Like, yeah. Um, who's the next most famous pool player that could have been on a pool game back in the day? Who would have sold David Fleming side pocket? You know, pool legend on the Game Boy. Jeanette Lee. Hmm. Yes, okay, now, you know, shit, I didn't expect you to actually name a billiard player, a, but yeah, that what is... What a quick pull. That is exactly who would sell David a fucking side pocket on the Game Boy, holy shit. I, uh, I remember when I was younger, I would watch, like, pool on TV, because it was the daytime and there was nothing else, mm-hmm. and Jeanette Lee kicked ass. Yeah, she's good, you know, great looking and fucking superb at pool. Um, yeah, wow, David, excellent fucking pull. Jesus Christ, we gotta get her on the show. Um, but in the meantime... Uh, we, you we got imagine. To, oh, can you get I mean seriously, imagine the most unusual guest we could possibly get on Game That Tune. You know, Jeanette Lee, the fucking trick shot artist. That would be right up there. But we you know, then we get to listen to her thoughts on side pocket. So uh we got two fantastic <laughs> songs. Go, Jesse, go one more thing. Do you what? think she's ever met uh Minnesota Fats? Man, can you imagine? I would love to see that showdown. You know, Fats versus the Black Widow or whatever her nickname was. Like, it was the Black Widow. Yeah. Okay. Good. Phew. Um, I didn't want to say like Fat versus Black. That sound that would have sounded weird. Um, but yeah. Uh, God, what a pair they would have been, man. That would have been a hell of a tag team. Um, but yeah. So we got two fantastic songs from Side Pocket, uh, from composers Imi Shimizu and Masaki Iwasaki. We've got Cue Ball Boogie, and we've got Come On Over. I'm gonna call that. Jeanette Lee's theme. 
Um, before we move on to the next segment, I just want to clarify because I looked it up. I did not know Pocket Fool was a euphemism. I literally thought it was like a little like electronic oh. tiger pool game. Like I did not know that was a It could thing. be both. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, I had no idea. And now I'm really embarrassed, too, because I did all that talk and like this was the Game Boy version and it was the Genesis version the whole time, guys. I'm I'm fucking up already, man. Oh, man. God, I'm fucking dumb, man. I got to, you know, really. Why do, scratched. Why, why do Genesis and Game Boy both start with G? Hmm? I, I need to update my abbreviations. I'm a fucking fool. We uh, could start calling it the Mega Drive ugh. and then we wouldn't have that problem. That's true. That feels I wrong guess. for some reason, though. <laughs> Maybe I should just give it some unusual name that only I understand, and you know, then this show will be truly you know, oh, esoteric. It, it plays on the Sega Nomad. Mm, there we go. We'll do the Nomad version from now on. There's no or, uh, video game systems out there that start with N. Oh, <laughs> we could so. rename Genesis Phil Collins. There we go. That's a good idea. Uh, God, we should get Phil Collins on the show. Anyway, uh, you know, moving on to the you know to the uh, properly labeled SNES. I know for a fact this is an SNES game. It, it might also be an arcade game, but this is the SNES version of the game. It's a game that's previously been featured on the show, and I realize kind of now it hasn't been featured by any of us. It was a guest pick, and it's called Magic Sword. In the arcade, it's called Magic Sword: Colon Heroic Fantasy, um, and. Uh, Guys, this game's kind of rad. It's Capcom magic game where you slash things and shoot them with magic spells and shit. I'm into this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, David, I feel like you should have played this, but like I said, I realized none of us picked this for the show. I think I'm conflating it with like Knights of the Round, um, but it's not that Probably. at all. Um, but it feels like this should have seen some sort of re-release by now. Like, I feel like this should be in a collection somewhere. Capcom should be pushing it onto your... Uh, you know, your Switch Online service as we speak, like. I mean, I, I haven't played it, but Capcom Fantasy beat em up like Knights of the Round, like Dungeons and Dragons. Like, I'm sure I've played a game that's basically this. Right. Yeah. It's not on that beat em up collection? No, because it's not a beat em up. It's oh. uh, it's like a side-scrolling arcade platformer type thing. It's got like, you know, it's just a platformer okay. with, uh, you know, it's got a bunch of levels, like 50 levels. And, uh, you know, you uh, you can play as uh, your main character and get like uh, support from assistant characters. Like you get a fucking, you know, like an Amazon archer, a fucking guy with an axe and like a, you get like a lizard man. Um, and uh, yeah, you fucking, you know, it's just a... Uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess you might call it a hack and slash, but you know it's uh, yeah, just side scrolling. So it's not a beat 'em up. I think it's the only, I think it's only one player, but um, yeah, it looks fucking dope. Um, we should definitely uh, definitely fucking get this and play it at some point. I don't know, but it's uh, it's got a Capcom soundtrack and it's 1992, so you know the tunes are going to be good, baby. So we got two fantastic songs from Magic Sword, possibly a heroic fantasy, on the Super NES from composer Manami Goto. We've got at Brock Marsgate, whoever that is, and we've got Macabre Funk. So let's uh, let's die of funkiness. <laughs> Thank you. 
That uh, that lives up to the uh, the billing there. That was uh, that was macabre and funky, Mo- more funky than the macabre, but uh, good shit, man, good shit. So keeping it kind of in the same realm, but kind of going in a completely different direction. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, you like that transition there, David? <laughs> That's so, a great transition. Keeping it in the slashing and swords and fantasy realm. But getting out of that, you know, side-scrolling arcadey thing and into the confusing uh, adventure world developed by Quintet. Guys, we got a game that I'm still sad that I haven't actually played. Because uh, I like one of the games in the, you know, strange trilogy that this game uh, starts. This is Soul Blazer, guys. Oh. Yeah. You know, fucking, you know, light it up. Let's let's Soul Blaze it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, of course, this is the one... Where you can play as like Taki and Sung Mina and Valdo. No, no, that's a different game. Um, you're thinking of Soul Edge. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, that's a PlayStation game from from much later, actually. Um, <laughs> but uh, right, ninety two. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. The, the the dates are key on this. 
Uh, there was no uh, there was no prequel to Soul Edge on uh, on the SNES, though it would have been kind of fucking cool if there were. Um, you know, I'm hang. On, I'm gonna have to do some quick research. I could have sworn that the Dreamcast launched in 1992. Yeah, okay. Get back like, to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Soul Blazer, of course, is the first game in this you know strange, slightly connected uh, trilogy. The second one, of course, is Illusion of Gaia. And then you've got Terranigma that still never came out of the United States, and I've only played a little bit of that one. I love me some Illusion of Gaia. And having seen some videos and things of Soul Blazer, I'm like, God, I should have fucking, I should have played that too. Because, you know, if nothing else, it would feel familiar because, like, you know, it's got the same, like, fonts. You know, same developer. You know, the music sounds a lot like uh, Illusion of Gaia, but a little bit more funky. And it's got the, it's got that quintet look to it. Um, and yeah, you're a, you're a guy going around, um, you're like just fighting monsters in dungeons and uh, releasing the souls of the inhabitants of the world. And as you do that, the world rebuilds itself and repopulates and you can talk to people and, you know, I'm sure there's some weird undercurrent of misanthropy and all kinds of weird shit. Cause that's what these games do, man, you know, either through poor translation or that's what they're actually about. But, uh, you know, it's, um, uh, it's a cool game, and I, th- I think I need to go back and play it, because, yeah, I think also the one of the boss characters in this shows up as a cameo boss in Illusion of Gaia, even though it makes no sense for that to happen. Like, uh, you know, I kind of miss, uh, miss Quintet's brand of crazy. I'm always in favor of just, like, random cameo bosses for no reason. Yeah. Right. I feel like more companies need to do that. Like... Just throw in one of your random characters from, you know, two disconnected franchises as a hidden thing. I mean, like, seriously, it's, you know, it's just, that's money in the bank, baby. But, uh, yeah, so we've got two fantastic songs from Soul Blazer and composer Yukihide Takakawa and uh, also composer Kaz Tomaya. We've got the Underground Castle and we've got an ode to Lisa, who I didn't play far enough in the game to learn who that is, so, you know, I'm sure that's touching music that doesn't touch me quite right, but here we go. Thank you. 
Okay, and one thing I will say, I actually, I take back the fact that maybe these, uh, the game sounds like Illusion of Gaia. No, they'd really refine their sound by the next time they made uh, <laughs> one of those games. These games do not sound alike. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Illusion of Gaia does not have anywhere near that degree of funky bass. It's uh, much more adventurous and orchestral and, you know, nope, I was, I was wrong to say that. Uh, I, I like to be able to recognize that and own up to it immediately. Now, guys... I want to say this, uh, we got a strong close this month. We got three games that I'm confident all of us have played and uh, all of us have had a blast with. Two on the SNES and we're closing with a Game Boy of all things. So let's get into these two fantastic SNES games. One of them, barely a game at all, but I want us to bust out our unusual SNES peripherals. David, which peripheral do you think I'm referring to? I bet you're talking about the SNES mouse. Oh, you're right. I was hoping you would say Super Scope, but yeah, you're right, David. It's time for Mario Paint on the motherfucking SNES. Guys, did this just, like, did this blow everyone's mind back in the day? Like, what what was this? <laughs> I never played this. Really? I, I grew up with the Sega Genesis, so. I guess you're right. Damn. I went to great pains to, back in the day, get this running on, like, emulators after I lost my SNES stuff. I didn't lose it. I sold it at a garage sale. But, uh, you know, like, having to figure out how to make my, uh, you know, computer mouse emulate the actual uh, SNES mouse. I was not tech-savvy back in the day, and it was a great accomplishment because <laughs> I loved revisiting this. Um, David, actually, I realize now, yeah, you're, you're not really an SNES guy either, man. What do you know on this Mario paint? But I have played Mario Paint. Okay, good. Um, yeah, because I went over to a friend's house. And I'm like, oh my god, you got to see this. Yeah. And I showed it to me. I was like, what the fuck is this? It is this one is of like, the ultimate like friend's house games. Like, you know, kind of thing my mom didn't buy for me. I got it, you know, much later. But it's like, yeah, okay. When you go over to your friend's house, it's like, this is insane. Why did they, they made a coloring book and a music composing thing and a animation studio? There's only one real game in this thing. What, what are we doing here? And you can swap flies? Yeah, exactly. Also the fly swatter? Uh, yeah. I think I probably told the story whenever we featured the show, uh, featured the game on Game That Tune proper. The only thing I ever felt really good about successfully animating in Mario Paint was I stamped a nose right in the middle of each frame of the uh, you know animation thing and made progressively more snot blow out of it until it filled the whole screen and turned it all green. It was the funniest thing I ever did in 1992, guys. I mean, That's you, could, good. you could have some fun with this. Yeah. I only wish Johnny was here to talk about uh, recording these things with uh, multiple VCRs and TVs. But, uh, man, what a what a weird thing that Nintendo did. And I love them and for it. Was there was like a music maker in there, too? Yes. God, I should have just captured some music maker songs. Um, I was really, I've I've been really hoping someone would use the super or the the Mario Paint to make the GTT song. I think we should look That'd into that. It can't be that hard to do. It's a very simple song and a very simple you know song maker. It's only thirty seconds long. We totally do it. Um, I I I did like I you know I'm not good at fucking anything musical, so I like that you could preload songs from you know like you could load three songs. One of them being the fucking Super Mario Brothers theme. But then you can just go back and, like, change all the sounds and fuck it all up. That was fun. Like, because all the little icons make a different sound. And you can take this and drag it around or fucking replace it completely. So you can do a, a Mario theme song, all the fucking Yoshi noises at different oh, pitches. Yeah. You know, it's good shit. It's hilarious. The one thing I could never figure out. 
that baby face that's in the uh, the Mario Paint uh, music icons. David, you know the sound that, that that fucking baby face makes? I don't remember. It goes like <laughs> it's yeah. It's the no. We- that's what Yoshi does. Well, n- but that's see, and that's the thing. Yoshi makes a Yoshi sound, and it's like a two uh, two tone, you know. But then the baby sound, it's like a throaty, like. <laughs> and I was like, "Why'd they include that? that? What the fuck is that? Like, <laughs> you'd think it would be a wah or something." I could never wrap my head around that fucking that baby face sound. I'm gonna have to find a sample of this and show you guys what I'm talking about because I thought, yeah, you know, I guess my experience in Mario Paint truly is uh, separate from your guys's. Yeah. Spend my whole young life being like, "What the fuck's that baby face doing in the song?" Like, because when you're, it, it, that's what it was when you're doing the Mario theme song. The baby face is only in there once, and it's like, no, that doesn't work. Like, hmm, whoever programmed this, get that fucking, get that baby face out of here. Replace it with a star sound or a Yoshi sound. Replace the whole fucking thing with Yoshi sounds. But clearly I've got fucking things to say about Mario Paint. It's a great fucking game, if you want to call it a game. Did you ever beat the fly swatter? No. No. Yeah, it gets pretty hard. Pretty fun, though. Um, God, just all around good game. Um, so yeah, we got two fantastic songs from Mario Paint and composer Hip Tanaka, uh, Ryoji Yoshitomi and Kazumi Totaka. Man, they, uh, they put the heavy hitters on this one. We've got the creative exercise and then we're going to dip into the fly swatter for level one. So, uh, guys, let's just, uh, get those mice plugged in and start fucking around on that title screen. Except this isn't the title screen.
God. Uh, Jesse, remind me to save that Fly Sweater song to the Fart Playlist next time we're both on the radio. Um, yes. God, I love it. I love it so much. Um, so we're moving on to a game that I think we've talked about in the past, if not on Game That Tune. I mean, certainly on Game That Tune proper, but I think we've also covered this on uh, GTT Gyms for its arcade release. But it's just so goddamn good. You got to bring it back for the SNES port, guys. It's been 30 years since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4 Turtles in Time, y'all, on the Super NES. Cowabunga. Uh, Cowabunga, indeed. Well, it's it's worth bringing back the SNES version, because as I recall, the SNES version has extra levels. I bet it does. I want to um, say there's like a distant future city that's only in the SNES version. Yes, I think that's right. Uh, that's probably why when I put this playlist together, that's one of the songs I picked to represent the game. Because, uh, yeah, God. Um, oh, man, I just love turtle beat-em-ups. I feel bad that I didn't get that uh, that, that fucking turtle collection that just came out. Um, what's the, still time. Yeah, I mean, yes, of course. What's the name of that fucking turtle collection that I, I'm spacing out on right now? Oops, all turtles. Wasn't it the Cowabunga collection? Cowabunga collection. Yes, God, why did I space out on that? Um, God. uh, Maybe I didn't need to get it because I played every single one of those fucking games at some point. But, uh, you know, hey, that's just me. Um, I'm strangely curious about the Game Boy ones. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Actually, no, okay. Yeah, I definitely haven't played those. (laughs) I want to say it's follow the foot clan which i think is the second one on game boy it's actually pretty good mm, yes um seems like they would get it right by the second one um right. seems like the first one would just be a bad game boy adaptation of the bad nes turtles game but i don't know haven't played it gonna have to look into it but turtles in time man i feel like this really was just peak turtles beat up like have they ever Come anywhere close to this? I mean, obviously the new one's getting a lot Shredder's of Revenge. Shredder's Revenge. I was going to say Shredder's Revenge. <laughs> so you know, good. It only took him thirty years to fucking get back to you know the glory of the tit. Um, man, what a fucking game. Uh, let's just I'm sorry. Say that again. The tit. Turtles in time. Oh, okay. Turtles in time. Yeah. If you didn't abbreviate no, just... it to tit, baby, then you know. God. I thought you said tip with a p, and I was very confused oh, for a second. Yeah. No, we're not on no, the turtle tip. No, that's the one when they're on the. Tr- for us. Yeah, that's when they're coming out of their shells. Um, <laughs> oh, but I do also, yeah, turtles and pines. That's good. <laughs> um, so do a quick around the horn. David, favorite level and favorite turtle besides Donatello? <laughs> I know okay, what you're fucking so, going to say. Everybody likes the reach. Um, uh, oh, I just thought I, you meant in general. I would probably say Leonardo. And then for favorite level... Um, God, what was it called? The prehistoric one. Where oh. like where you end up fighting Slash and there's like a bunch of dinosaurs and shit. You mean of course prehistoric Turtlesaurus. Yes. Yeah, you gotta have the you gotta have the proper name in there. Jesse, uh, same question. Raphael Pirate Ship. Mm-hmm. God, yeah. The the slightly boringly named Skull and Crossbones. Feel like that should have had a turtle pun in there somewhere. Yeah. You know, Shell and Crossbones was right there. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, and of course, for me, or Black yeah. Shell the Pirate. Oh, yeah. Um, mm. And you know, my answer remains Michelangelo all the time. And mm, it's uh, it's kind of lame to say it, but I kind of love that Technodrome. 
I love fighting a, a boss fight where you get to throw Foot Clan guys at the fucking screen. Yeah, that, that's cool. Though. Yeah, God, it just the game's so fucking good, man. Um, Very good. So we got two fantastic songs from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for Turtles in Time for the Super NES from composers Kazuhiko Uehara and Harumi Ueko. We've got the Neon Knight Riders and we've got the Starbase where no turtle has gone before. could do just like a fucking hour of that music i could go for like just you know what if somebody made a mixtape of just the ninja turtles like classic themes classic ninja turtle beat-em-up themes on a fucking fantastic mix that's a good idea that is a good idea right great idea yeah Yeah. Mm. man you know uh, if anybody's listening to this the you know they're probably also on patreon.com slash game that tune so you should probably go listen to that turtle mix you know god i fucking love those turtles 
you know, I don't love being a turtle because I'm not a turtle. But uh, man, I love fucking listening to a turtle. Um, and so, like <laughs> I, I said, said say I'm glad I love fucking a God, turtle. man, I love fucking those turtles. Uh, so uh, we're closing out 1992 with a fantastic Game Boy release because it's a fantastic debut of a fantastic character that we all still know and love to this day. Um, man, guys, let's, uh, let's get out our sheets of paper and start by drawing a circle. And then you add the eyes. And um, what's that last thing you do? A great big uh, set of sucking lips. Uh yeah, how do you draw Kirby? It's uh, Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy. Um, happy what 30th game. anniversary to Kirby. You know, he's finally of age in Popstar. Oh, you, yeah. you know. um, so, you know, Kirby's Dreamland, guys, for the Game Boy. The game that we all played, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, my, my cousin had a Game Boy. And so whenever they would come down from Virginia, like I was like, Ooh, get to see my cousin and her Game Boy. Hey, yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I would play Kirby on that thing. And because she was like sick of it because I was the only console she had. So she played it all the time. So mm-hmm. she was just like, Yeah, you play this thing. I'll play your Nintendo on the big TV. And I'd be like, Yeah, Kirby. <laughs> yep. Um, God, I'm trying to think of how I played this because, yeah, I wasn't a Game Boy guy back in the day. But, like, am I completely conflating my memories of this with that of. Kirby's Adventure on the NES? I can't be. I definitely played this. I don't know. David, you know, tell me what you love about Kirby's Dream Land. Uh, I was prepared to tell you about how I played it, but... Please, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Tell me what you love. I remember... Unless, wait, David, you don't hate this game, do you? No. Okay, good, good. Yes, I love then, this whew. game. Then good, God, tell us what you how love. Do you, how do you hate a Kirby game? Can you imagine meeting some ugly, hate-filled motherfucker that hates Kirby? Oh, I would punch him right in their throat. Oh, I, I mean, would, I, I I could imagine meeting somebody who hates Kirby, and I believe it's the same as meeting Hitler. I, okay, I'll, I'll give it, you know, I could see meeting somebody that hates Kirby as, like, an opponent in Super Smash Brothers. But, like, still at its core, you can't really hate Kirby. No. Yeah. God, no. Yeah, no. So, David, anyway, yeah. Uh, tell me some things you love about Kirby's Dreamlight. Um, I remember the first time I played this game, it was actually John Regan's copy because we were hanging out and like talking Pokemon and whatnot. And I was going through his games. So I was like, oh, Kirby's Dreamland. What's this? He's like, you've never played it. I'm like, it's going to take you about 30 minutes. Play it right now. Right. Yeah. And I sat down and played it at his house. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. OK, yeah. Well, you know, then that's probably exactly right. That's, you know, I probably fucking knocked it out on Johnny's Game Boy as well. I, you know, because now I'm thinking about it. My, you know, my Kirby path was adventure superstar. And then catching up on the other stuff. So, yeah. Um, what a good game, though, man. What a tight fucking Game Boy experience this is. And like you said, you can get it done in like half an hour. Like, just enjoy yourself, you know, fucking sucking things up, blowing them back. You know, I don't know. Just classic Kirby shit. Because if I'm not misremembering this, there is no copy in this. It is just sucking and blowing. No, you yes. just copies. No, not there is the a copies one. in this first, first one. No. no, okay. I think oh. I mean you get power ups because there's like the super spicy curry and there's um I want to say there's like a mint leaf that does ice stuff right and then okay. there's Maybe. the like lollipop oh. that makes you invincible yeah but, but there's no copy abilities yeah, in the first you, game you can swallow them to kill yeah, them or you okay. can blow them back out but no this is all sucking and blowing um 
But it's still great. That's the thing. Like, yeah. That's what's so great so about fun. it. It fucking established a great thing. And then the NES version came along and added a fucking amazing thing. And you got your fucking series, baby. Like, you know, what a great start. Like, Kirby would be a great series if it was just sucking up things and blowing them back on other things. And then you add copy abilities to it and he fucking takes the whole thing next level. But like, man, what a just a sweet Game Boy platform and easy, fun game to play. You know. Am I the only one that ever felt bad? Let's just get right down to it. When you kill Wispy Woods, or defeat him, rather, and a little tear comes out of Wispy yes. Woods' eye. Oh, I felt so bad. Don't you feel bad yeah, for doing like, that? Oh. Like, what's, what's the deal, man? Like, I know, like, it seems like he's trying to kill you because he's blowing little wisps at you and apples are falling, but, like, you feel a little bad beating some of these bosses. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe what they're trying to tell us is... They're good people on both sides. Exactly. Many fine people on both sides of Dreamland. Uh, Kirby, famous centrist. <laughs> yes. Because there's always, <laughs> that's the thing, there's always that secret nightmare evil behind everything. You know, DDD, yeah. he's ultimately not really so much a villain. I mean, you know, but anyway. Uh, a fucking... that's, that's one of my favorite things about the Kirby series is how King DDD isn't really a villain. He's just kind of an asshole yeah exactly he's a hungry motherfucker and greedy i feel like he's he's like the rich guy that like kirby keeps like inconveniencing and like he's upset at that yes exactly but uh anyway it's a great fucking game and a start to a fantastic series a beloved series um and so yeah we got three fantastic songs from kirby's dreamland and of course series composer june ishikawa provided some fantastic tunes so we've got stage three, the Float Islands. We've got stage five, Mount DDD. And we've got the lovely ending theme from Kirby's Dreamland. And that's going to do it for 92. We'll see you guys in the 2000s, baby.
I know that we don't really like go back and talk about the last segment, but I really just we we were all just bopping so much with those Kirby songs. Like, there's just something about uh, Kirby music that's so damn happy. It mm-hmm. feels just yeah, you know, feels right, man. Feels good, and it feels almost criminal to then turn around and start talking about just weird mediocre games from 2002 <laughs> like yeah. god guys we're all going back to school it's august of 02 i graduated already so oh well shit man congrats um yeah but uh so that gave you plenty of time to hang out and play these sick ass new releases that were coming out so you were uh you're popping in your game boy you know the dreamcast it's dead so you were, or sorry, I said Game Boy. I meant GameCube. You were popping up, uh, popping in your GameCube, some uh, games that were supposed to be on the Dreamcast, but instead they're making their way to the GameCube so Sega can make a little bit of money. Uh, and of course, you were playing beach volleyball, baby. Not the sexy kind that I know you played. We're talking about the more you know focused and sports pre- uh, presented beach spikers for the uh, GameCube, Jesse. Never you, played it. You stayed home after graduation. You played no. Beach Spikers. No, 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 no. David, you played Beach Spikers. Uh, you lost me as soon as you said not the sexy version. Beach, uh, well, I mean, beach volleyball is inherently sexy. Just, you know, plain and simple. Dead right, or Alive but- Beach Volleyball was kind of a hat on a hat. Like, it was, you know, it's like, hey, let's <laughs> add sexy stuff to a sexy sport. Like, guys, please, what are we doing? Yeah, you're does. reaching the amount of sexy that I want. Yeah, you know, fucking double stuff sexy. <laughs> um, Who's but, uh, all sexy? Yeah, exactly. Just you know, a, a little bit of game in that sexy. But uh, Beach Spikers colon Virtua Beach Volleyball uh, was yeah Sega's. Uh, it was you know a, a little uh, Virtua entry in uh, you know the Virtua Sports series. Of games that nobody fucking cares about. See, this is what I'm saying. It feels so silly well, to be like, we all loved Kirby, and now here's virtual volleyball. <laughs> Were you going to say something to defend the Virtua series, Jesse? A lot of people like Virtual Fighter. Yes. A lot of people like Virtual Tennis. Um, yes. Now name the, the there next. There might be one other virtual. Virtual Racing was okay. Virtual Racing, But, yeah. like, you know, there were some virtual games that people liked. Right. There were. Not but, this one. Yeah, no, it, it, it's time had passed. So, you know, Beach Spikers uh, for the GameCube, um, you know, probably a, probably a pretty fun game. That's the thing. I mean, like, I'm talking bad about it, but, like, you know, the games weren't bad. They're just kind of, you know, I don't know, Sega doing a fucking, you know, a realistic volleyball presentation. Or, like, you know, arcade slash realistic. I bet it was arcade Yeah, you know, but, like, not dead or alive uh, you know, crazy, just titties bouncing all over the place. Crazy, you know, <laughs> like uh, realistic uh, human bodies doing, you know, slightly arcadey motions. Not sexy enough for David. Um, so we got two fantastic songs from uh, Beach Spikers and the Sega team of composers. Jesus, Tatsutoshi Narita, Sachio Ogawa, Shinichi Goto, Fumio uh, Ito, and Megumi Takano. All that's to say. We don't have labels on these tracks. We got background music two and background music twenty eight from Beach Spikers. So guys, uh, let's throw in those bikinis and let's get uh, let's get Sandy with it.
Yeah, I'll be honest. I really just, I mean, it's obviously on the playlist because, I don't know, I dig music from Sega games and things around that era, late 90s, early 2000s, you know? Like, you know, even get into, like, your Sega bass fishing and shit. You got good tunes. So, it's a uh, virtual volleyball. What a time it was. They should bring it back, you know, uh, bring back Beach Spikers. Bring back, uh, you know, the GameCube. Bring it all back. Bring back the GameCube. Yeah. I mean, you know, people would, yeah. People uh, joke about it, but like, man, some downloadable GameCube games are way, oh, overdue, yeah, definitely. way overdue. Uh, including, of course, Beach Spikers. And, of course, this game, this next game that uh, at this time was not released for the GameCube. This was released first for the Xbox and then a little bit later on for the PS2 and GameCube. So it had a couple of months to be in that Xbox exclusive. It's a little uh, third-person action game trying to maybe capitalize on the success of some of that GTA-type shit with an open world, some driving, some shooting. It's a little game called Dead to Rights. Oh, is this the one with the dog? Is it the one with the dog? No, based on the cover, it's the one with the man. Um, but uh, uh, There was a, a third-person action game. Well, shit, man. Had a dog in it. It is right there on the see, man. They need to market this better. There's no dog on the cover of this game. First sentence of the plot synopsis: Jack Slate is a police officer partnered with his canine unit, Shadow, the two patrol Grant City. Uh, I got really, I got really excited for a second where Jesse's like, "Is this the one with the dog?" And you're like, "Well, this is the one with the man." Is this a GTA game with a werewolf? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, uh, that's also great. God, that would have been so much better than what Dead to Rights is. Like, uh, but, man, they yeah, they really should have marketed. Like, man and dog go on police patrol. I'd yeah, fucking I think play I rented that. This. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think we all rented this at some point. It was like in that, that drought between uh, Grand Theft Auto games. Or like when we, just, for some reason, tricked ourselves into thinking we'd had enough. It's like, I don't know, let's try uh, try the ripoff version of it. Oh, wait, it's not as much fun to play as the cops as it is the criminals. <laughs> like, uh, there's your huge miscalculation on this and, I don't know, several other open world games. It's like, you want to play as the cops? Fuck no. <laughs> like, that's not nearly as fun as playing as the fucking criminals. Even a, a game like The Shield knew that you needed to play as a bad cop. Like, you don't play as a fucking good cop. You know, really any cop. Dare I say it, all cops are not worth playing as. No. You know. Um, all cops are unplayable. Exactly. All cops are, you know, they should be NPCs. But. A cow. I would make an exception for the dog. Like, you know. Now, if this were a game where somehow you are a criminal that inherits a police dog. And the police dog assists you in doing crimes. Like, it sniffs out other people's drugs so you can, like, rob them and kill them. I'm all the way into that. But like, you know, come on. This is a movie plot. (laughs) This is a movie plot that we should pitch. Somebody gets on, gets out of prison, but the police unit is stretched thin. So their parole officer is a dog. Yes. And then he convinces the dog to help him commit crimes. Mm -hmm. You know, nothing in the rules that says dog can't be a parole officer. It's like a reverse son of Sam situation. Exactly. <laughs> so the dog talks to the guy. The, the guy man just keeps reporting to the dog. Oh, God. All this sounds better than what Dead to Rights is. Dead to Rights, a perfectly fine fuck around game. But, uh, you know, it's the. Uh, like I, I find out. It's, you know, I, it's just, that's the thing. You fuck around, then you find out, like, oh, yeah, I don't like being a cop at all. This doesn't feel right. 
But, uh, you know, nice try, Namco. So we got uh, two fantastic songs from composers Kevin Manti and Kevin Ripple, the Team Kevin. Oh, the Kevin uh, brothers. Exactly. The, you know, the, the, those darn Kevs. Uh, we've got the Dead to Rights remix, and we've got the Fight Club. So, uh, God, let's... Damn it, John! Oh, shit. I shouldn't have told you the name of that song.
That's uh, that's good songs for uh, putting up your dukes. Fucking, you know, you know, do a little prodigy rip off, beat up some dudes. Problem is, you're still a cop at the end of the day, man. You still got to look yourself in the mirror and be like, oh no, fucking police officer, what have I done? Um, so moving on to the PlayStation Two, and a game that perhaps Jesse's played. I would say, doubtful David's played it, even in like you know the years following this, but maybe it drew his attention. Um, cause it's, a, uh, I'm not mistaken. It's another, uh, I want to say Capcom joint. It's, uh, Onimusha 2. Oh. Play yourself some Onimushas. Oh, I love Onimusha. Yeah? Those games are good. Yeah, cool, man. Uh, you know, cause sad confession, I never played it. Uh, it always looked cool. It's got a very distinguished looking guy on the cover. I never grabbed yeah. it. Should've. It's samurai shit, right? And demons? Yeah, they're, they're fun. Yeah. You know, also demons, or yes, oni. Yeah. Yes, right. Japanese demons. Yeah, you, you smush the onis. Yeah. Oni smusher. I think this is the first one where you get to play as like other characters. Like you, like get like a cast of like people that help you out and have different weapons that are useful in different ways. Word. Um. So that's pretty cool. It is. And then, yeah. like, uh, like Onimusha three, they get um. Uh, what's that guy's name? He's like a famous French actor, like Jean Rene or something. Oh, no, Jean, Jean Renault. Renault. Yeah. Yeah, Jean Renault. Yeah. Yeah, he's in the third one. It's really good. Man. Yeah, that, that is dope. <laughs> I feel like, you know. It's like a weird thing where uh, uh, feudal ancient Japan is merging with like uh, uh, current day France. And so, like, uh, the French dude goes back and is like doing like missions in like Japan. While like your samurai dude is in like modern day France, and he's like, "What is all this? This yeah. is weird." Fuck it, might as well. It sounds great. Yeah, Jeez. it's awesome. I love Jean Renault. Um, fucking you know, Leon the professional hanging out with some samurais. Like, yes, good, cool series. Yeah, uh, you know, and they were like trying to do that like highly cinematic thing on the PS2. Like, you know, it's the, it's like the first time that games are really trying this stuff, and yeah, obviously not always succeeding. But, like, you know, they're giving it a go. Um, I think it's pretty fucking dope. So, David, you never did uh, get into Onimusha? 
Unfortunately, no, but it was one of those series that was like always on my radar because right. it looked super cool. It's just like action hack and slash samurai game, right? Uh, yeah, um, I think so. With some like Resident Evil style puzzle solving. Oh, okay. David, See, yeah, that sounds awesome. Did yeah. uh, did one of the characters from this pop up in like Tatsunoko versus Capcom? Yes. Uh, see, I thought maybe um, that would have sparked you to maybe give it a go. But he was a lot of fun in that game. Yeah. Um, but I just never. I looked at it I was like, oh, I should play these, and yeah. then I didn't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I you know understand. as it goes. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the whole theme of this show. Um, you know, there were many great games, and uh, here we are. But uh, yeah, uh, it's got a great soundtrack. It's a cool game. Um, they got some uh, some great composers on this one, of course. Taro Iwashiro, Hideki Okugawa, and Toshihiku Horiyama, and we've got two fantastic songs uh, with two completely different tones. So we've got the Onimusha two main theme, and then we've got Russian roulette because I don't know, man. I'm just feeling a little bit silly, and that one's not even composed by all those guys that I just listed, man. That's a Tomoyasu Hote joint. And uh, let's just fucking, let's do some Onimusha too.
All right. So yeah. See, that's that's the problem with not really knowing much about Onimusha. Yeah, I I don't have any context for Russian roulette within the game. But like, do you need it? I feel like you don't. Like, I'm curious yeah, about know. what the context could be. But at the same time, the song just slaps, and yeah, you know, it's just fucking fun. So that's good enough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, for this show, good enough. So, speaking of songs that just slap and are good enough, let's go over to a raucous series of fighting games that uh, I know David and I aren't fully, you know, well-versed on, but maybe Jesse can give us some Guilty Gear insights, because we got Guilty Gear X, specifically Guilty Gear X Advance. Yeah, oh, the faces are <laughs> shifting. <laughs> Uh, I've made a mistake, y'all. Shouldn't have included this. Uh, Jesus. I'm just from that title. I can I can only assume the system that it's on. Yes, you're and right. When I think and I think of Guilty Gear. I think of intense, incredible rock music as well as gorgeous, fluid, fast-paced animations. Mm-hmm. And I am having a real hard time reconciling that with the Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Got good news and bad news. Right. <laughs> Especially a year into the Game Boy Advance. I mean, they were hitting their stride, baby. You got to do what you got to do, right? Uh, you got to port Guilty Gear to the Game Boy Advance. <laughs> oh, I don't understand why they did it. I put it on here for the laughs. And because I know that the soundtrack's just not going to sound very good. I think it's just going to be funny. Just picture all that fucking sick-ass Daisuke Ishwatari fucking shredding compressed through a Game Boy Advance, guys. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, sorry, That's guys. like when, um, when What's-His-Face is like, you better not be watching my movies on a phone. Mm, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, you better not port Guilty Gear to the Game Boy Advance. Oh, oh, shit. You didn't want us to do that? We already kind of we did it. Yeah. We just exported all your uh, awesome yeah. songs with a really bad file format. Sorry, Daisuke. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at screenshots of it, and it looks rough. Like <laughs> the characters look like those rotoscope sprites from the original Prince of Persia. Ooh, dude, that sounds fun. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, that, I mean, that's that, that's at least something. It's like not, Pit you know, yeah, it's not really a what I want out of a Guilty Gear game, but. I feel like you're, you know, I feel like we're smart enough consumers that we wouldn't be uh, bamboozled into playing this. Like, I'm not sure who this is for. Like, anybody that knows Guilty Gear would know to never, like, never touch this. And like, is this the kind of thing that's going to draw in a new Guilty Gear player? I don't know if it would. Yeah, because uh, this hmm. this is a purchase that a well-meaning uncle or something. Uh, gets you, and they're like, I think I heard him say something about that Guilty Gear. Oh, here it is. It's yeah. pretty cheap. This one's got Solid Snake, right? Oh, wait, no. <laughs> Merry I've Christmas. Ma- I've made a terrible mistake. Um, But yeah, so uh, Guilty Gear X Advance uh, from composers Daisuke Ishwatari, Tuti, and Nakataka. Uh, we've got two fantastic, I say that very, very loosely, uh, we got two fantastic songs from Guilty Gear X Advance. We've got Keep Yourself Alive 2, and we've got Suck a Sage.
apologize. I, I am really sorry. No. You know, I mean, I... No, that... No. I do vet these things before the... Before, like, doing the show. I knew I shouldn't have done that, but I did it. So, for, for that, I do apologize. So, maybe we can... What was, what was that song called? Suck a Sage. <laughs> Suffer and suck a sage. <laughs> um, maybe I can redeem it with a couple of songs from a different Game Boy Advance game. One with a, a pedigree of good uh, good composing and possibly good video game music to it. Um, you know, I, I doubt that any of us were playing these games at this time, but I'm aware of uh, you know the, uh, the adventures of uh, the group called the Power Rangers. And in 2002, there was apparently the Power Rangers Wild Force. And they got a Game Boy Advance game. And, uh, cool. yeah, that's what I know. Uh, you know, can I elaborate on who Power Rangers Wild Force, uh, you know, is? No. I think they, like, fought in, like, the jungle and Yeah, they stuff, turn into, was, like, animal They also turn into animals. Towards. That's the thing. I thought the Power Rangers were already a wild force. They have robot animals. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask the same question I ask about every Power Rangers show post Power Rangers in Space. Is this the one with the talking dog? Mm. See, with you know, a name like Wild Force, I would guess maybe. Um, but, you know, I don't know. It doesn't list a talking dog amongst their allies. Um, you know, there's, okay. the, there's the six rangers. And then there's a princess and, you know, a robot. I, I don't see. Uh, and then they list some veteran rangers, the Time Force, and the Red Rangers uh, show up. But I, I don't see anything about Talking Dog, David. I am sorry. Okay, that was... I'm looking it up now. That was um, Power Rangers SPD. Ah, okay. Uh, you know, super... Um, what's a P word that means talking? Uh, super something dog. I, I got nothing on SPD. Anyway, I also have nothing on Power Rangers Wild Force. Um, you know, probably... What a, a surprise. Probably a perfectly fine game, because, you know, Power Rangers games are fun. They're side-scrolling beat-em-ups throw one on the Game Boy Advance, and you know what happens? You just say, Power Rangers on a Game Boy, and Iku Mizutani pops up, and he's like, hey, I've got a bunch of great fucking music for that. And that's what happened here, baby. It's Iku Mizutani. How could I say no to this? So, I can almost guarantee these songs are better than the Guilty Gear songs. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, we'll just see. So we got two fantastic songs from Power Rangers Wild Force on the Game Boy Advance. We got Background Music 5 and Background Music 13 from video game music legend Iku Mizutani.
See, now I feel like Iku had the fucking formula right, man. You know, the problem on Guilty Gear Advance was that they took sick-ass Daisuke Ishwatari guitar licks and tried to condense them down to Game Boy Advance. Iku Mizutani could make a fucking uh, sound chip sing and had been doing it since the times of, you know, the Game Boy and the NES. So take... You know, that sound and scale it up and add a little bit of depth to it, and you get yourself a sick ass Power Rangers soundtrack, baby. So, you know, Mizutani knows what he's doing. Um, moving on to a game that definitely knows what it's doing. It's doing great fun things. You know what it's doing, David? It's putting monkeys in balls for a second <laughs> time. That's right, David. Oh, yeah. Ape Escape. Ape Escape 2. No, wait. Super Monkey Ball 2. For the uh, the GameCube, man, I didn't realize that a sequel of Super Monkey Ball came out within one year of the original Super Monkey Ball coming out. I didn't realize they cranked out Super Monkey Ball two quite that quickly. Because um, I mean, I I kind of first one was a launch did... title for the GameCube, yes, yes. So that's November of '01, and here we are in August, and it's like, hey, how about another Monkey Ball? I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to like downplay anybody's work, but I feel like these games probably weren't the most difficult to develop after the first one. Because mm. like once you get the physics engine, I feel like everything else is pretty easy after that. Yeah, at that point you're just kind of laying down some floors. Yeah. So yeah, you, know, uh, you can maybe just kinda... maybe add some new textures and right. character models, but maybe, like... maybe not add any new textures. I don't know. Like, yeah, I can't speak to that. But it's uh, yeah, it's Super Monkey Ball two. You know what I like? Cute monkeys. You know what I like? Mini games. You know, party games. Fucking monkey shot and monkey dog fight. That's what I like. I like monkeys <laughs> flying around in balls and you know. I don't know, being used to play games of billiards. Uh, good, good shit. Just, uh, you know, this is, I, I want to say Super Monkey Ball, I think back in the day, one of the ultimate rentals. Like, yeah. you know, never wanted to own it, but man, would I rent it. Because, like, you, you know, you get enough fun out of the game before you get frustrated, and then you get your friends together and you play some of the party games. And it's, it's just a fucking you know, three to five fantastic days with these monkeys. Loved them. Loved every bit of them. Ugh, God. I want to play Monkey Target right now. If they released a Monkey Target collection, I'd pay, I don't know, 10 bucks for it. Monkey Target Online HD collection. Fucking do it. Whoever. It was $10 that you were just leaving on the table, yeah, Sega. exactly. Um, who is that? Fuck Sega, you jerks. You know, make a Monkey Target collection already. But uh, anyway, yeah, fucking mm, love these monkeys. Uh, and I love the tunes. Good soundtrack to these games. From, of course, fantastic composer Hidenori Shoji, Haruyoshi Tomita, and Ryuji Iuchi. We've got World 1, The Jungle. That's where you'd find some monkeys. And then World 3, The Ocean. A little more dangerous for monkeys in there.
just love that fucking early 2000s sound, man. I love that fucking good drum and bass shit. I love that ocean groove. Like, you know, put some drum and bass music on just like a like a weird kind of warbly synth sound. And, man, you just got me on the hook, baby. I fucking love it. Um, man, what a time. And so, uh, you know, I've mentioned a, a couple of or maybe only once, maybe a couple of times on this episode, how uh, here we are in 2002 and the Dreamcast is dead. Well, guess what? Dreamcast remains dead. And uh, another system is dying along with it, baby. It's August of 2002, and it's time to honor the final release for the Nintendo 64. The very last game released on Nintendo 64 was released in August of 2002. Do you know what it is? Hmm. I want to say Kirby 64, because yeah. Kirby games are usually, like, yeah. towards the end yeah, of wait, a console. Wait, hold on, we had a Kirby move. game for that. <laughs> don't release it yet, or don't don't release the next system. Uh, nope, it's, uh, it's a I, s- somewhat lackluster port of a very popular franchise. Uh, the better versions of this are, of course, not on Nintendo 64. They're on uh, GameCube, PS2, Xbox, everything. Very popular third entry in a beloved franchise of the early 2000s. It's not Tekken 3, is it? God, if it were, David, can you imagine? <laughs> Tekken 64. Yeah, Tekken 364. Um, is it uh, Clay Fighter 63 and a third? God, no, it's not. None of the things I said applied to Clay Fighter. Oh, God. Um, no, so it was nearly a yearly series for a while there. Uh, published by Activision, it's a t- uh, it's got a titular character. It's a it's a licensed game with a man's name on it. Tony Hawk Three. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three. Wow. Yeah, the final re- final game for Nintendo sixty four. A game that I don't really think of when I think of Nintendo sixty four because I definitely played this on GameCube. Um, good game though. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three. Fun. You know, oh th- yeah. I think this one had a. Fucking, you could play as Darth Maul. Oh, uh, yeah. Good shit. You know, timely, too. Yeah, everybody loved Darth Maul in 02. Um, you know, he was still uh, still kicking. At least one half of him was. Oh. All right. Um, David, I feel like our memories of Tony Hawk and the, uh, the P- uh, PlayStation era are really more Tony Hawk 4, aren't they? I was going to say, yeah, I think when I think of it, I usually think of 4. And I think I have the same problem that you do with RoboCop, where... All the Tony Hawk games kind of blend together. Yes. Like Tony pick Hawk up, 3. Up, is that the one with Spider Man or Ben Franklin? Right. Like, Jeez. Um, I'll tell you what it's the first one with. It's the first one with Bam Margera. It's uh, you know, a a marked shift in the uh the tone and the uh I don't know, celebrity level of these uh these games. You know, Jackass was still hot in O two. And so we had to get Bam Margera and his uh, his gang of flunkies into Tony Hawk Three. Um, you know, man, I miss thinking Bam Margera was cool. But anyway, yeah. God, Tony Hawk Three sounds still pretty good. So, well, I'm glad you say that, Jesse, because we've got two fantastic songs from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three, and it was so tough deciding which songs to pick because there's a lot of good stuff in these. Uh, yeah. I, I decided to go with. Two songs that feel very of their time. So from Dell the Funky Homo Sapien, we've Ooh. got Good Hygiene. 
And from CKY, we've got 96 Quite Bitter Beings. Oh, I love that song. Yeah, it's fucking great, man. I hate just yeah. doing a licensed block in the show, but man, the songs are good. So yeah. let's uh let's go skating, guys.
Yeah, that song still fucks, man. Oh, so good. Like, God. Yeah. I, I, yeah, man, what a time. Like, that That yeah. song just, that will transport you back in time. That's a fucking song that if you know it, you know it. You fucking watch the CKY videos. You watch Jackass. And yeah. that song just shoots you straight to that time. That's Fuck fucking, mm, I, I just love it. So, speaking of things I love, not this next game. <laughs> um we've only got a couple of a couple of games left in the in this uh block and can i say i love either of them i'm not sure that i can can i say i like one of them yes i can can i say i've never played this other one? Oh, yes i can because man this game that i did not know existed until doing the research for this episode it's a ps2 survival horror game it's based on a movie it's 2002 and this movie is celebrating its 20th anniversary with a fantastic release on the PlayStation 2 for some reason. 
think back to 1982 and think of a game that is unexpectedly being turned into a survival horror game on PS2. Oh, is it? Is it something that shouldn't be a survival horror, or does that fit? No, it, oh, it fully fits for a survival horror game. Okay. Is Just, it the thing? It's the thing for PlayStation 2. Oh, yeah, 2. they made that game. Why? <laughs> Why? David, help me. Why? <laughs> Fuck if I know. I wasn't part of the development team. Yeah, but you like horror movies and stuff. Why'd they make the thing into a survival horror game? Like, what? Why? Well, I mean, th the thing is about, like, people being stalked by an alien that can take different forms. Yes. At least the Carpenter version from 82. Right. So, like, making that a survival horror game, yeah, that, that tracks. Mm -hmm. Why they did it 20 years later, I have no idea. Well, I would imagine, like I said, they were starting to do more cinematic things. So, I would He's imagine Cronenberg. this is the first opportunity they get to do something like this. Can you imagine them trying to do the thing on, like, an SNES? Yeah, I uh, I don't think that would quite work, um, but I would have loved to have seen him try. God, can you imagine if they made a version of the thing for every system up until then? It'd be like Super Metroid. Yeah, it'd probably be okay now that I think about it. But uh, yeah, they uh, they did this instead. It's the thing for PS2, and uh, you know what? It's got no music. It's got one song in it. The rest of it is just like fucking ice station ambience noises. And, uh, you know, so we've got 20 minutes of that. <laughs> oh, buddy. No, you know, that's the thing. I, I, I don't know that I can play this in good conscience. Having just listened to some good metal music from back in these days, I've got one song from this game. It's the credits music. And it's not a song that was featured in the original movie, The Thing. It's from a contemporary artist of 2002, David. Do you have any idea who might be the artist behind the credits music of The Thing for PlayStation 2? No idea. Jesse? Can I guess? Yeah, go. Um, I'm going to guess Trent Reznor. Oh, man. If only it were Trent Reznor. All right. <laughs> now, I'll narrow it down. It's one of the two artists that made the song Hero for the Spider-Man soundtrack. Which one do you think it is? Wait, the Foo Fighters? No. <laughs> oh, that's a different song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. David Bowie? What? No. God. <laughs> Wait. Just... Uh, I'm talking all this shit about David Bowie, of all people. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't matter. No, uh, yeah, oh, God. So that... I can see the music video, and I can see the two guys, but I can't think of who they can't are. can't think of who the fuck oh, those guys are. The Nickelback one? It's not the Nickelback guy. Who's the other guy? Was he a, a Goo Goo doll? No, he was a saliva guy. <laughs> Oh, saliva. Remember Ooh. saliva, fellas? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so guess what? We got one song from The Thing on PlayStation 2, and it's the credits music, and it's by Saliva. And Too I much. will probably fade this after about 30 seconds once I see you guys' reaction faces. So, sorry, guys. This is The Thing. guys have to be in this. I need the indication that I should stop. David's giving me nothing. He's just enduring it. 
Like, did they have any input on the rest of the soundtrack or something? Uh, no, just that's the thing. There, weird, there, like... there is no rest of the soundtrack. I can't believe David just listened to that whole thing with a straight face. Jesse was wincing the whole time, and David just... God, he just stood there and took it. David, that was amazing. I, I used to work at a radio station. Like, I am... It's very easy for me to tune out sound. I'm immune to 2002's music. <laughs> Um, God, yeah, um, not excellent, but I had to bring it up because that was just an oddity. I'm like, please let this game have a good soundtrack. Oh, no, it has no soundtrack, but I we must talk. So let's move on to a game. Guys, this game has a soundtrack. This game, it's got our bonus beats for the month. We got three fantastic songs from a fantastic release for the GameCube. I, can I say this game's beloved? By some. Uh, I'll, I'll, let me see what you guys think. Guys, we're taking off for a vacation on Delfino Island. It's Super Mario Sunshine time, baby. David's excited. I'm kind of in the middle. Jesse, where are you at on this? I like this game. I, I think it's cool. I like it too. Uh, didn't enjoy it so much back in the day. Yeah, a little hard, but you know, I found the fun. Uh, I feel like I think this is the only Mario game though that I didn't one twenty. Uh, straight I, up. I don't recommend it. It's yeah. it's not worth it. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah, love collecting those blue coins. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I mean, like, I could understand if the blue coins were just the challenges. Like, oh, spray this spot in the level and get to the other spot to find it. You know, like, okay, that's that's a test of skill. But there are some where, like... You just spray random parts of the world and a blue coin pops up. Right. That's horseshit. Find like, like a little M in you know silhouette on the ground, you spray it, right? And there's a blue yeah. coin there. Yeah, great. Bleh. Um but there's there's many fun things about this game that aren't blue coins, right? <laughs> there is. I I genuinely love this game. Um it definitely has its problems, but I think the things it does well way overshadow those. Um I love the level design in this game. Mm -hmm. uh, the music is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I love all of the secrets in Delfino Plaza. I still think Delfino Plaza is the best Mario hub world ever. Yeah, um, it is. There's there's just so many cool little references and details hidden. Um, like all the little mini areas. Like there's the pachinko machine. There's oh, yeah. the fucking river. I'm not saying that those are good levels, but I like those little like small challenges. Yeah, the fact um, they did those was fun. There's there's one. It's in like the trees towards the north part of Delfino Plaza where you go there, and it's basically just a giant overgrown lawn. Like you're trying to find eight red coins while wading through grass that's oh, over yeah. your head. Is super cool. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember the lawn thing. I'm, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. The game's cool. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, things that I also like about it. Yeah, I, I like the the island setting. I like uh, I like the final battle with Bowser. It's weird that he's just like lounging in the tub and you're fucking him up. Um, <laughs> you, had, you had Yoshi. You had the different nozzles, like the rocket nozzle yes. and the fucking turbo nozzle, where you would run on water. Yeah, no, yeah, running around the water with the turbo nozzle was fucking fun. Um, yeah, it was cool, man. Yeah, uh, not saying it needs a sequel, but you know, I don't know. Mario is some kind of strange peripheral that lets him do fun things. Is uh, it's a good idea? I guess they kind of hit that with the uh, the magic hat. 
But uh, I don't know. You know, I'd like to see what they can come up with again for, uh, if not Super Mario Sunshine 2, just Super Mario with, uh, with you know, a weird thing on his back kind of a situation. You know, whoop, Maybe whoop. like a backpack with a bird in it. Oh, yeah. Hey, I like that. What if Mario played an instrument? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was, you know, a real plucky Mario game with a yeah. bird in a backpack. I like that. That's good, man. Maybe, hmm. Maybe games with birds and backpacks kind of ruined the whole, uh, you know, I don't know, main character wears a backpack genre. And Mario yeah. was just late to the party. Like, that's probably what it was. His backpack just wasn't as cool as the bird. Um, but anyway, yeah. I know, we're, I know we're probably thinking of, like, a string instrument for Mario to play, but mm. I'm just imagining Mario pulling out a keytar and busting, like, music on that. Yes, exactly. And we call it Mario Kitari. Um and it would be a you know a perfectly fine game. Probably the levels would be too big, but uh, anyway, we got three fantastic songs closing out 2002 from Super Mario Sunshine. What a game it was! What a game it is! Uh, from composer Koji Kondo, excuse me, Kondo. From composer Koji Kondo and Ooh. Shinobu Tanaka, we've got the Noki Bay, we've got the Rico Harbor, and where else, baby? We got Delfino Plaza. So uh, guys, let's just you know throw on those shades. It's uh, it's still August, so uh, it's not too late to hit the beach. Thank you. 
Man. All right. Vacation's over, guys. It's time for games from 2012. And thankfully, it's been a long show, but we've got uh, just four games closing out the show. Four interesting games. I say interesting. Honestly, you know, who could say? David, I know that you like this first game. It's an Xbox Live arcade release, hidden consoles for the first time in August of 2012. It's got an anime creature of some sort as its main character. Some kind of animal. Who could say what it is? It's dust. Oh! An Elysian tail. Yeah, see, I wasn't thinking anime because I was thinking of anthropomorphic, but yeah, dust is great. Shit, is it not anime? Is it just anthropomorphic? Did I fuck that up? No, it's kind of anime. Okay, good. <laughs> figured it was like Furries a rabbit. coming to your house, John. Yeah, it was a furry thing up. with a fucking Raiden head on. I figured it was anime, but you know, maybe I fucked up. No, this uh, this game's really cool. It's it, it was billed as a Metroidvania, and it kind of is, but more so like it's just a big overworld, and sometimes you have to backtrack. Like, hmm. it's not confined like a Metroidvania usually is, um, but it's a very action-heavy game. The combat is super fluid. Um, when I, I brought this game onto the show, and I think I mentioned there, my favorite combo to do is you, like, slash the enemy a couple times, you knock him into the air, and your sword has kind of like a hooked point, and there's a follow-up where you can jump up, hook them with that, and then slam them into the ground. Mm. And it's just super satisfying. No, it sounds satisfying. I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Jesse, you never played this one? I, I Like I said, I got this on here because I've of David. Never played it. Ah, nuts. Uh, David, did this ever come back out for anything? Or is this uh, this uh, Xbox Live Arcade exclusive? Uh, no, uh, it got ported to Switch. Um, oh, good. I believe it's got ported to like steam and playstation network i'm not a hundred percent positive on that it did it's um, on ps4 but yeah I it's definitely it still available good i'm glad because yeah seems cool you know anthropomorph- anthropomorphic creatures not necessarily anime creatures you know beating shit up fucking talking swords good shit um man it's good and it's got a good soundtrack too it's uh it does yeah i like it uh, it, it's composed by Hyperduck Soundworks, a name that I mostly know from the OC Remix community. So I'm glad that apparently they got their name and their you know hands on just a whole uh, whole soundtrack. Though also I'm seeing it's Hyperduck Soundworks and Alexander Brandon. If that turns out to be just the guy from Hyperduck Soundworks, then I'm sorry for being redundant. But uh, we got two fantastic songs from Dust and Elysian Tale. We've got Abydis Forest and we've got the Cyrelian Trials. <laughs> Thank you. 
like the tunes. Good things. Good things in those tunes. Good combo of kind of like the light, tinkly stuff and the, you know, the more driving, you know, it's a trial song. You're fucking things up. You need a little bit of a beat to beat stuff up. That's the thing, you know, beat em ups need a good beat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Got put that on a shirt. It's not a good slogan, but, uh, just, you know, <laughs> it, it's the kernel of a good slogan. Um, but anyway, speaking of games with great beats, uh, we've got a game where you can beat people up with some great beats. It's a uh, it's a spinoff fighting game from a uh, series of RPGs that I believe since uh, since this has only grown in popularity and in people's estimation. This is the fourth one, guys. We're talking about the Persona Four Arena this time. Oh, uh, cool! Hmm. Yeah, didn't play it. Never uh, never put my hands on a Persona fighting game. I'm sadly cool. super inexperienced with the Persona series, but I was hoping that maybe Jesse, you know, dipped into this a little bit at some point. Oh, I've just been sticking to the RPGs. <laughs> I mean, I kind of so. get that. The RPGs are great if that's what you're into, because uh, you know they're long and just you know yeah. chock full of stuff. The fighters do look fun, and it looks like they also reward you if you've played the RPGs with tons of fan service. Yeah, I think that's kind of the name of the game. Like you know, uh, it's an Arc System Works fighting game with fantastic sprites. And fucking just fan service for Persona fans. Um, David, you ever have you have you fucked with Persona in any way, shape, or form yet? So I'm glad that you asked. Joker and Smash. Um, That's about it, right? I have not played Persona Four Arena. However, <gasps> a whole bunch of the characters were in um, that weird Arc Systems crossover game. That one. You had um, Persona 4 Arena characters. You had some Guilty Gear characters and whatnot. And I did play that. Yes. So I have played some of these characters. And it's really interesting how the Persona mechanic works in a fighting game. Because um, you would imagine they would just only like come out for like a super attack um but some of them they're with you like all the time Dope. like each character handles them a little bit differently um and actually one of the characters that i really really enjoyed was from persona 4 arena um and i i hope i get this right it's chi the like yep short-haired ch- soccer girl mm. um Green. like her fighting style is mainly kicks and she will kick the fuck out of you like she was that. a lot of fun to play Hell yeah, man. Good. I'm glad we got somebody vaguely with experience related to this game. Um, God, yeah, I forgot. What was it? Blaze Blue Cross Tech Battle or something like that? Is that the one? Or Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Fucking a little bit of everything, the fighting game. Good shit, man. And speaking of good shit, good tunes. God, Persona games have good music. So yeah. uh, we've got two fantastic songs from Persona 4 Arena. Uh, from composer Yumi Kawamura, we've got Best Friends. And from composer Shihoko Hirata, we've got Reach Out to the Truth, parentheses, in Mayonaka Arena. So I guess that's the Mayonaka Arena theme for this game. Uh, doesn't matter. Great songs. Let's do it. <laughs>
classify the persona music is there even a genre that you can say it is feels like there's just a lot going on in those songs and it's all very good stuff i like it um and so moving on to uh a game that you know i kind of wish i had played this game it seems like a very cool game that i did not get into and uh i'm hoping that maybe uh maybe jesse put a little time into it we talked in the 2002 segment about kind of you know I don't know, silly open world games. This one, I don't think it makes you, uh, 
Or, you know, actually, no, now that I think about it, I think you are in this one still a police officer, but I think they figured out how to make it more fun than a game like Dead Rights. We're talking sleeping dogs. Um, oh, yeah, this one's pretty cool. Yeah, like a martial arts open world game. Yeah, it's like uh, like John Woo or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if John Woo himself is actually involved, but it seems very influenced by the works of one John Woo. Um like you're like an cool. undercover cop working for like a, um, it's not the Yakuza, because I think this is in like Hong Kong or China or something. Yeah, I want to say it is Hong so Kong. It's, so it's like triads or something. The Yakuza. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, so there's not really like I think there is a few like car segments, but not many. It's mostly just walking around Hong Kong, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and doing stuff it's a pretty neat game i i do remember like i think a lot of like the battles um are very interactive with the environment so like if you're fighting someone you're like like an ac unit some in someone's window you like smash their face into it or something and good and different things it's it's pretty cool yeah see i, I like that man environmental attacks in an open world game fuck yeah that takes some thought and planning and you know I like that level of detail. Um, David obviously never uh, never went near Sleeping Dogs. No, not at all. Damn. Yeah, he's like, let Sleeping Dogs lie. Hey, yeah, that's uh, that's what we all said. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, the game seems very cool, and uh, you know, kind of wish, uh, kind of wish I had taken this one on. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. Sometimes I find open world games that aren't Grand Theft Auto daunting. It's like I, I settle into these yeah. comfort series, you know. It's like, I, I know what I'm getting into with the GTA, but like, I don't know, sleeping dogs might have something, you know, silly or weird about it. It's like, wait, I just missed out on a bunch of fucking sick-ass martial arts shit. Damn it. What was I? Damn. Here I am still playing Grand Theft Auto Online nine years later. What was I thinking? Um, but yeah, uh, cool game with a cool soundtrack. Uh, of course, composed by uh, composer Jeff Timoshuk. Um, we've got Sleeping Dogs Theme A. And from uh, the listed composers, obviously, probably not composer, artists, Bebe and Sean Lee, we've got Little Sunrise. So uh, let's go to sleep, dogs.
dig those tunes man i like the uh i like the funky beats and i like the uh you know the 
the instrumentation in that last one. It's got some some good sound to it, man. I like the. Uh, I I don't want to say you know Asian instruments because that's fucking way too broad. You know, but like there's a sound to it that I can't place my finger on because I don't know the names of like the the pluck string instruments. Uh, you know, especially since this is a Hong Kong game rather than being a China or a Japan game. Uh, gonna have to look up my list of Hong Kong instruments to not offend anybody. Point is, I like the sound. Good soundtrack. Um, and speaking of good soundtracks, we're closing the show out. Sadly, I bet we're closing out on a flat note because I'm willing to wager that nobody played this game. And I don't even mean the three of us. I mean nobody. <laughs> yeah. But people sure acted like they wanted to play the game. Because, man, they wanted this game to come out in America. This is a oh. big name game for the Nintendo Wii. And uh, it's called The Last Story. Oh. Jesse, tell me your story about The Last Story. So, you know, this is a Mistwalker joint. And they've made uh, two previous games that I was very much fond of, Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey. Oh, yes. So I was looking forward to this game, and uh, it came out, and I was, for some reason, it was hard, very hard to find. And um, I just never got to it. And even when, you know, you're uh, borrowing it from an internet friend, wink, wink, Mm. was a possibility, I still just... Never really got into it. I've never even tried. I guess it's just, I don't know, one of those things. Where, and like, I've heard good things from people who have played it. Right. But I just, whatever reason, it's the, the Miss Walker game that got away. Damn, man. I feel like this game might need to be kind of revisited, maybe a remaster or like a port forward. Because from what I've heard in the you know ensuing years from this, the, the Wii is like struggling on this one. It's the last game on the Wii like the last big game and it's like the Wii is really trying its best to put this game out. I'm like, sounds like, you know, now that I know that's the fucking it's Mistwalker. So it's like, you know, wasn't Lost Odyssey multiple discs? I mean, like, is that, you know, was it, it was on the 360. So I don't right. think it was. Oh, okay. See, been. I thought maybe it was, maybe I'm, maybe I'm conflating them with somebody. Cause I thought Lost Odyssey was, I thought the thing was, it was multiple discs on 360. Cause it's like, yeah, these guys, they make fucking big games. Um, and I'm like, you know, I could see them trying to make a game for the Wii. And then people <laughs> thinking they wanted it. And then getting it and being like, damn, this is, uh, you know, this is ambitious. But it's not quite there. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's not maybe that's not true in this case. But isn't, isn't there some Nobu tracks? And that's the thing. It's a Nobu Oimatsu soundtrack, man. He is... Uh, the only credited composer on this game, and that's why we got to close out with the baby. Like you know, we don't uh, we don't get a whole lot of straight up Nobu's on this game, and certainly not in the 2012. You know, in the in the most recent segments. So, uh, man, you know, when you when you get it, you gotta get to it. So, um, yeah, um, David, I'll give you a shot. Any any thoughts on last story? You obviously played it. You're just keeping your mum's the word. You love the last story. He doesn't want to spoil it for me. That's it's great. That's fair. What a great exactly. You yep. know, I just I don't want to spoil it. You're a good man. A very good man. Um, this is this is definitely an RPG on the Wii. Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> and um, I feel like that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so uh it's the last story. It's uh, composed by Nobu Oematsu. 
And uh, it's a fantastic and interesting RPG for the Wii. And that's going to do it for uh, this episode of Game That Tune Gems, guys. What a fucking episode it's been. What a, you know, what a fucking pile of tunes we got. Uh, I'm glad the three of us could get together while Johnny's obviously putting together the August Absurdity Finals for us. Uh, and just, you know, we crank out fantastic gems and he does all the grunt work, uh, you know, back there in the game, that tune, uh, you know, mines and, uh, you know, we get to have all the fun babies. So, uh, I'm looking forward to those August absurdity finals. They're going to be great. You know, may, may the best man win. I'm taking it. Yeah. I, you know, we'll see about that, man. I'm feeling good about, I, I what am I saying? I'm not feeling good about anything these days, but, uh, God, it's going to be fun, man. You know, what a, what a time it's going to be. Uh, love me some August of 30. Love me some game that tune gems. Love me some you guys, man. And mm-hmm. uh, I just want to take this chance to say um, thank you for the birthday presents that I got, you know, since I have a birthday in August. Oh, yes. Thank I you. recently got them. Yeah. Yeah, of course, man. And, you know, well, I, I guess we should acknowledge David's birthday much more often on the show. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, we love you, David. Congratulations on another year around the sun. Um, and we're going home with three fantastic songs from the last story. Um, we're going home with just being near you. That's what I like with you guys, man. I like just being near you, even virtually. We're going home with Lost Time. And we're going home with Toberu Mono. Again, all composed by the legend, Nobu Uematsu. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to Game That Tune Gems. And uh, we love you all. We'll see you on the next one. Peace out, everybody.